0: Today we are talking about animals, animal suffering, and uh, animal rights, more importantly, by uh, beginning our talk by focusing on bull riding, as the Professional Bull Riders Association is uh, coming to the Honda Center in Anaheim this weekend. Bull riding is promoted as a rough and tough exercise of human skill and courage in conquering the fierce, untamed beasts of the Wild West, but in reality it is nothing more than manipulative Manipulative Displays of Human Domination Over Animals Thinly Disguised as Entertainment. Here to talk about not only rodeos and bull riding, but more importantly the work of Mercy for Animals in uh, promoting uh, animal rights and welfare, is Freeman Wickland. Freeman is the Director of Campaigns for Mercy for Animals. Uh, He is also a humane education trainer for the Institute of Humane Education. His bio uh, covers two decades of animal rights advocacy. Uh, He's taken every opportunity to see firsthand how animals are treated. He's visited dozens of factory farms, organic farms, slaughterhouses, fur farms, and animal research labs over the years to document the egregious cruelty uh, and neglect inflicted on animals. Uh, After graduating with a bachelor's of science degree in nutrition from the University of Minnesota, he started the Minneapolis-based humane education program called Bridges of Respect. Over the next five years, he gave over 1,000 presentations at schools and colleges on environmental and animal issues. Uh, His outspoken support for fair treatment of animals has resulted in scores of media interviews and several media outlets featuring stories on him, including National Public Radio and, of course, including KUCI's Justice or Just Us. He's a dedicated promoter of nonviolent advocacy along the lines of Gandhi, and uh, it goes on and on and on. So why don't we just say good morning, Freeman?
1: Good morning, Jared. Thanks for having me
0: on. Thank you so much for uh, for being here. You have uh, you have quite an impressive uh, uh, resume working for uh, for animal rights. So thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, why don't we begin by uh, talking a bit about uh, the most pressing event for folks here in Orange County, which is uh, the Professional Bull Riders Association, and then we'll get into uh, some of the more long term work that uh, you do with Mercy for Animals. So. If you could let our listeners know, what exactly is a rodeo? What is bull riding? What, what is that all about?
1: Well, uh, rodeo is, you know, supposedly a, a sport. But what we found through investigations that Mercy for Animals did in Ohio is that routine cruelty is commonplace. With bull riding, we specifically find that the animals have a tight flank strap since around their sensitive abdominal areas that's very painful and uncomfortable, and that's what causes them to buck. But before they get released from the chute, they're often tormented by having their tails painfully twisted, by being kicked or, or beaten, or uh, shot with electric prods, which can carry five to 6,000 volts. So all of this is done to torment the animals and get them feisty so that they put on a good show and, you know, try to buck the... The contestants off of their backs. Unfortunately, it, it just involves a lot of animal cruelty.
0: So when we watch the uh, the classic Looney Tunes uh, cartoons from our childhood, and whenever. Uh, you see a bull, the bull is just naturally aggressive and ready to charge at anything that moves in front of it, whether it's a red cape or a bumblebee. That's not necessarily the case. Bulls are not necessarily that that wild, and they, they actually have to be provoked into their aggression. Is that is that fair?
1: That's very fair to say. I mean, you know, they're bovines, and if you ever, like my grandfather had a uh, farm, and... I'd have to walk through the pasture to get down to the lake, and, you know, the cows would come up to me, they'd be pet, I mean, they're the most docile, gentle creatures out there, and to get them to put on these displays, they have to be provoked into it. And it's the same whether it's bullfighting or rodeos.
0: And so what are, I know you you hinted before, what are some of the... uh, Techniques. What are some of the ways uh, that uh, the the bull riders uh, provoke these animals? What are some of the um, torture techniques, sure. if you will?
1: Well, uh, the flank strap is one, and again, that's the it's a strap that cinches around their sensitive abdominal muscles. It's very painful for them, and it causes them to kick and buck because they're trying to get it off. There's also uh, the the riders can wear spurs that can gouge into the animal's uh, sides and also in their sensitive areas. Then we have the electric prods that are routinely used on the animals while they're still in the chute. And, you know, usually I think of electric prod as a long stick with the, the electric zapper on the end, but they now have handheld devices. So they're very discreet, very hard to see, you Just and they, they shock the animal. Um, tail twisting is another common thing and it's, it, They'll just take their tail and wrench it as far as they can. Very painful for the animal. And if you ever see them and, and enduring this, which you can, we've got video footage of all of this at rodeoabuse.com, which is a website about our six-month uh, or seven-month expose that we did on rodeos traveling through Ohio. Um, you can see the animals bellowing and they're struggling and they're, they're fighting against the bars that they're in in the chute because they are being so tortured. So there's a variety of techniques that are used. A lot of it's behind the scenes. A lot of it's not going to be shown on, you know, the ESPN if they're covering the bullfight. Well, but if yeah. you're at the rodeo, you you will you will see it.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, because since we spoke uh, last night, uh, I discovered that the, uh, the Bull Riders uh, Association, the event that's taking place here, uh, just minutes from Disneyland, is actually going to be covered by uh, NBC Sports. So uh, it, they certainly will clean up their coverage of uh, what, what happens to the animals. They're probably not going to be showing all of the things that you're mentioning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it happens in the chute, and, I mean, sometimes you can see when they, when they release the chute, there's often a person standing there who's holding the cinch strap, and as the animal runs from the chute, they're tightening it as tight as possible. Now, rodeos, rodeo, you know, people involved with rodeo will try to say that the animals buck because they're wild and ferocious, but the reality is that the animals continue to buck even after the rider is thrown off of their back because that cinch strap is still cinched, and they they usually send in additional riders on horseback to release that cinch strap, and that's when the animal stops bucking.
0: Well, and then then what's interesting is that that doesn't really help their argument much, because then they're simply admitting that they are trying to take a wild animal and tame it for for the use of sport and entertainment anyway. So they're trying to to domesticate and, and... you know, a wild animal. I mean, any way they try to frame it or justify or rationalize what they're doing, it, it kind of, you know, undermines their very argument. I mean, it's it's just kind of silly. Um, I want to remind listeners, uh, they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Freeman Wickland, who is uh, with Mercy for Animals. And I want to get to some of the great work that Mercy for Animals does beyond just awareness of bull riding and rodeos. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I think your organization does a great job of pointing out is the uh, kind of the double standards uh, with which people approach the topic of animals. You know, I'm listening to you describe uh, bull riding uh, as a form of entertainment, and you clearly uh, highlight the the pain and the suffering that could be caused to animals. One of the things we didn't talk about are the different injuries that animals could could face from from bull riding and rodeos, which we'll get to. But it's very interesting that people are very very adamant that animals used in Movies, television shows, motion pictures, and the like—right? They always have the little humane society tag at the end that says, "You know, no animal was harmed during the making of this motion picture." And I think people would be outraged if they believed that animals were harmed uh, during the making of a movie. Similarly, people are outraged when, uh, you know, someone is Michael Vick, the the football star who who profited off of the suffering of animals for the purposes of entertainment. Yet when it comes to rodeos or bull riding, people seem to have no problem uh, with having animals suffer unless you think it's just that they're not aware that the animals are suffering. How do you respond
1: to that? Well, I think more and more people are becoming knowledgeable about what happens to animals in rodeos, and they are realizing that just like your dog or your cat, steers and bulls have... And horses, you know, they have emotional lives, they have feelings, they have lives that are meaningful to them, and we shouldn't be treating them cruelly. So I think there is a growing awareness. I think the sport of rodeo is um, on the wane, as is circuses that use elephants and tigers for entertainment. And, as you know, it's about getting the information out there and helping people Make that connection and and realize that you know this is not something you would want to see done to your dog, or your cat. This is not something we should be doing to horses and cattle.
0: And just so we can uh, be sure, what are some of the injuries uh, that result from uh, from either bull riding or the what is it the roping, uh, the calf roping, or things of that nature?
1: Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit about what calf roping is first. Um, calf roping, the, the uh, riders will, will lasso the calf and then tie up their legs. However, to get the calf to bolt from the chute or steer the steers to bolt from the chute, they, again, will use the same sort of painful tail twisting and, and beating of the animals and electric prodding of them so that when the chute is open, they bolt out at top speed, reaching upwards of 25 miles per hour. Then while they're running, they will be lassoed around the neck. And as you can imagine, this can create a lot of problems with internal bleeding and neck injuries. Um, oftentimes, there was a uh, person who worked at a, as a federal slaughterhouse, uh, uh, what was he, uh, veterinarian. Uh, he was a veterinarian at a federal meat inspection uh, plant. And he would see the animals coming in from the rodeos and say that most of their skin was dislocated from their flesh. He saw them come in with broken ribs. He saw them come in with internal bleeding with up to two, two gallons of their blood uh, loose in their body, you know, in between their skin, which was no longer attached. I mean, we, see a, we saw a lot of injuries, and I think we, I've protested at several rodeos where steer and other animals have died as a result of their injuries from these events. So it's not a benign sport in any way, shape, or form.
0: And it, your your the information on your website, uh, which I should point out is Mercyforanimals.org, uh, mentions that there have been events where the animals, you know, necks break and, and this isn't hidden from the crowd. I mean they they the announcers try to say, Oh, there's a veterinarian on site, everything will be fine, but there's not much a veterinarian could do with a broken neck. So there, there there's certainly uh, there's certainly a real a real problem here. Uh, let 's move on a bit to the broader uh, topic of uh, of animal rights, but I want to uh, let listeners know that they should uh, stick around because uh, i 'll be giving out uh, the address, email, and phone number of the Honda Center if listeners want to. Uh, place a phone call or shoot an email over to the Honda Center to uh, express their concern that the Honda Center is profiting off of animal suffering and abuse. But uh, tell our listeners a bit about Mercy for Animals, because certainly rodeos and uh, and uh, bull riding and, and even circuses are not things that are uh day-to-day things that people uh, could be concerned about. Uh, There are other things such as uh, vegetarianism, uh, anti-fur campaigns, and so forth. So tell our listeners about the various campaigns and about the mission of Mercy for Animals.
1: Sure. Well, Mercy for Animals, we're a national nonprofit animal protection organization. We were founded in 1999, and we now have over 12,000 members and supporters. We believe that... Non-human animals are irreplaceable individuals with morally significant interests, and they deserve to be respected. So we dedicate ourselves to defending the rights of all animals, but because 99% of the cruelty to animals in the United States occurs at the hands of the meat, dairy, and egg industry, we tend to focus on promoting vegetarianism. And we do this through our website, chooseveg.com, which has a variety of uh, great vegetarian recipes and talks about the benefits of being vegetarian for people, for animals, and for the environment. It also has great tips for making the transition to vegetarianism, and people can order free vegetarian starter kits from that website as well. Um, so, we do, we do a lot of public outreach in the community, staffing tables, distributing literature, running uh, pro-vegetarian commercials on, on TV. Um, uh, basically, anything and everything we can do to get the message out there, whether it's working through the media, doing undercover investigations at egg farms and turkey slaughterhouses to show people the hidden reality of the cruelty that is going on in these facilities.
0: One of the things that uh, really strikes me about, uh, about your work, your philosophy, uh, having spoken with you, and then about Mercy for Animals in general is the uh, the philosophy of nonviolence that uh, you adopt, not only nonviolence toward animals, but nonviolence in your uh, effort to raise awareness about the rights of animals. It seems that uh, these days when people think about animal rights or animal activists, you've got the unfortunate uh, moniker of terrorism that now seems to uh, be affixed to anything, whether it's eco-terrorists or narco-terrorists or you know, what have you. Uh, and then there's also the stereotype of the very militant in-your-face, you know, not willing to, to, to engage in dialogue uh, persona of the animal rights activist. And yet Mercy for Animals, I think, takes a very, very different approach. Can you talk about uh, your personal philosophy and, and how that contributes to uh, your activism?
1: Sure, that'd be fine. I mean, for, for the way Mercy for Animals looks at it is we don't want the messenger to get in the way of the message. So we try to do everything very respectfully. We try to make sure that our materials are professional, they're uh, sourced, so people know where our information is coming from. They're colorful, welcoming, and inviting, so people will look at what is happening in this issue. I mean, it's not pleasant to see animals suffering in, in factory farms and slaughterhouses. I mean we see very frequently animals who are still conscious while they're being uh, while their throats are being split and while they're dumped into scalding tanks. We see animals with severe injuries suffering without any treatment in factory farms. And it, it's hard stuff. Nobody really wants to see it. So we do our best to just present the information in a responsible, professional manner. And you know, and then we have a lot of patience with people. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's really all it takes. I mean, when people learn the facts surrounding the issue and they, they think about what their own values are and try to apply them to animals, they generally move in, in a more compassionate direction. And that's what we're trying to do is just encourage people to take, take steps towards compassion.
0: I think your point about not letting the messenger get in the way of the message is just is just wonderful. I I, I was writing that down as you were saying it because it's such a great uh, a great aphorism. So then, what would be your recommendation if there are people who want to uh, protest the uh, outside the Anaheim? Uh, I guess it's now called the, the Honda Center. You know, the the corporations change every uh, every week. It used to be the Arrowhead Pond, and now it's the Honda Center. But if people want to protest outside the uh, uh, the bull riding rodeo this weekend, uh, what do you recommend? Do you recommend people, you know, bringing large placards that have photos of animal suffering, or do you recommend uh, providing flyers and, and leaflets, or it, uh, what would? mercy for animals, how would they approach something like this?
1: Well, our policy for demonstrations um, includes that we do silent demonstrations. We will not engage with people who are, are shouting or rude or disrespectful with us. And basically, we're there to reach the reachable. So we offer literature, we, we, share, we, we carry signs. we make sure our signs are not insulting towards uh, the people who are coming to the rodeo. And we just don't engage with people who want to get into an argument or a shouting match with us because we're just there to reach people who are ready to be reached with the message. And we also... When people are already committed to going to the rodeo that night get their ticket, generally they're not going to be willing to you know, give up their tickets and go home. So we, we... For the people who are genuinely interested in what we have to say, we, we encourage them to just make this rodeo their last. And to, to when they when they watch it, just look at the investigators and look at what's going on behind the scenes. try to see what's doing in in shoot with animals and you know what happens to those animals who didn't look so well as they were being dragged off of the field
0: and then if uh i mean certainly i I'm guessing you also encourage uh you know, respectful uh, letter writing campaigns or emails to the people who are uh, you know hosting this event, like the you know the Honda Center, the big uh, the big arena. How uh, how would you recommend uh, listeners and uh, concerned uh, neighbors uh, frame the issue or draft the letter? What kind of language should they use? What points should they make, and so forth?
1: Well, again, just be respectful. Be Polite and avoid insulting comments. I think it is important not only to talk to the venue, but it's also the, the sponsors of the rodeo. Whoever their sponsors are, need to know that the, their sponsorship of the rodeo really is offensive to you and and makes you less interested in wanting to purchase their products. Um, but you know, it's basically just showing common courtesy and decency in all of your communications on this issue, because it reflects not only on you but on the message that you're trying to convey. And if you're trying to convey a compassionate message, you should do that in a compassionate manner.
0: And in in speaking with you in the past, you really want to open up a dialogue with uh, with with people. That's really where. Uh, where truth can be revealed is through the, the kind of back and forth give and take, and that really can't be accomplished, as you said earlier, with you know a disrespectful shouting match. And you have to recognize that you're not really going to prevent people uh, who already have tickets in hand, and this is their their Friday night or Saturday night, you know, out for the weekend. You, you have to, you know, awareness or epiphanies don't necessarily happen at a spur of the moment, but they evolve over time.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly it. And, you know, they will oftentimes rodeo crowds are difficult crowds. Uh, They tend to be more hostile than at other events you might be protesting at. So you just have to have that sort of nonviolent discipline and realize, you know, this isn't about you. Like, leave your ego at home. You're going to take a lot of abuse. And just like the civil rights protesters who, you know, did the sit-in at Woolworths, counters and had sugar poured on their head and were screamed at and were tried to physically be removed by uh, antagonistic people, you just have to accept that there's going to be that sort of repression (laughs) and do your best to maintain that nonviolent, respectful demeanor.
0: And uh, I, I want to remind listeners we're talking to Freeman Wickland from Mercy for Animals. And uh, I told you I'd keep you just about 20 minutes. But before we go, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners a bit about some of the, uh, the current campaigns uh, taking place with Mercy for Animals. Looking at the, uh, the campaigns page, uh, there's really a whole bunch going on. Anything from the, the free vegetarian starter kits... To uh, a writers group a library uh, outreach campaign uh, I, I'm curious what is the library outreach campaign
1: we set up uh, informational displays in libraries and usually on the subject of vegetarianism uh, it's just a way to reach the community and that's a lot of what we do is grassroots community based organizing so it's And we try to do it proactively as opposed to just doing protests against the things we dislike. We try to create events where people are going to be able to see the the information in a neutral or positive setting and hopefully make them more interested in in learning about it.
0: And then there are uh, anything from the anti-circus campaign to the anti-fur campaigns to uh, the undercover investigations, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to talk about that.
1: Sure. I think one of the most powerful tools we have as advocates is video footage of what happens to animals behind closed doors. So we put a lot of effort into exposing that reality, whether it's going into factory farms and documenting animals who are... Locked in tiny battery cages where they're the cages that are so like this is where you'll they'll cram eight to 11 birds per cage to uh, you know for several years for egg production and these birds are crammed in there so tightly they can't stretch their wings they can't turn around without bumping into each other they often look completely filthy because they're unable to clean themselves or dust a bathe they're um, often get very sick because the uh, conditions are so stressful, um, and we go in and we document it. We document these animals suffering and languishing with, with diseases and broken bones inside these horrendously filthy conditions and take it to the public because that, those images help people make the connection to where their food is coming from and what, what their food is causing uh, animals to go through. So we do make available our free vegetarian starter kit at chooseveg.com. I'm sorry, could uh, you
0: repeat that again?
1: Yes, choose Veg.
0: Choose veg, v- chooseveg.com. That's correct. Okay.
1: And it's a, great, it's a great resource for people who are interested in uh, incorporating more vegetarian and vegan items into their menu.
0: And then finally, please tell uh, listeners about uh, your newsletter, uh, Compassionate Living. And I should point out, you know, in talking about uh, the approach of uh, nonviolence, it's very interesting uh, to have read in the issues uh, that I received that uh, the newsletter used to be called Outrage, and you could see over the years how uh the philosophy has kind of changed from the the kind of you know the outrage the loud kind of in your face raised fist approach to uh, an approach that does encourage dialogue and discussion and uh, emphasizing uh compassionate living so uh maybe you could talk about how you guys made the decision to to change the name and then tell us about uh some of the content of it
1: yeah well i think I think it's just the thing. The organization has kind of gone through the same evolution that individual activists may find themselves in. When you first learn about the issue, your whole world can (laughs) crumble around you. You know, all the ideals that you had of thinking, oh, farming is nice and humane and there's laws to protect animals, and you realize that that's not the case. And you, you get very passionate about it, and you want to share the world. You think if other people know the information, just like you, they'll change overnight. And... And that's not necessarily the case in all situations. Um, so at first, we had outrage because, yeah, this was the, the abuses that we we're exposing are outrageous. And we had that sort of um, uh, intensity about it. But now we're realizing, no, it is, it is just about reaching people with the message. And compassionate living is far more palatable for most people. And that's the newsletter's uh, new name. And, and in, inside it, you'll find great articles on, you know, vegetarian recipes that you can make. We've got a vegan dietitian who has a column, and he answers people's questions about nutritional aspects of veganism. We um, have wonderful articles and profiles of vegan and vegetarian families. We talk about different campaigns and successes that we've experienced. And it's a great magazine. We, we interview... Um, at other advocates, like this month we interviewed, or this latest issue, we interviewed Jonathan Balcom, who wrote Pleasurable Kingdom, which is about animals' ability to experience pleasure and joy, and how that is also something we need to consider when we look at how they are treated in factory farms and research labs and slaughterhouses and fur farms. So uh, it, it's just a great resource to educate our members and supporters and the broader community about the issues and help them engage engage the issue
0: yeah, it really is uh, a great resource. I did read the uh, the column looking at uh, uh, animals' ability to experience pleasure. Uh, it was also uh, you know the, one of the things that I like about it is that it's it 's very user friendly so rather than simply pointing out the horrors of uh, the the meat industry or the dairy industry, it provides uh, alternatives. So activism doesn't need to feel like it's just, you know, this constant uh, practice of self-sacrifice where you have to give up this and give up that and you have no alternatives. I, I really like that it's uh, it makes... Uh, being uh, a vegetarian or vegan, or just being a conscientious consumer, uh, a lot easier for uh, for the reader. And uh, I encourage listeners to check it out. I uh, just subscribed, so I'm quite quite happy about that. Uh, the website is mercyforanimals.org. And uh, Freeman Wicklin, I want to thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, any last thoughts or? Uh, uh, issues or concerns or anything you want to add?
1: Well, one thing we're always trying to get out to people is if you are concerned about animal treatment, if you want to help animals, the best thing you can do is adopt a vegetarian diet. If you're vegetarian already, time to start edging towards veganism. And it's great to check out chooseveg.com. It is a great resource. We put it up so that people can we can aid people in that transition. and we're always here for you. If you have questions or whatever, you can give us a call that shoot us an email. Um, but I, that's, that's the main thing that we try to get out because we know that everybody can be kind to animals at least three times a day based on what they choose to eat for their meals.
0: And again, the website is mercy4, spelled out, F-O-R, animals.org. Check it out. It's uh, a really, really great resource. And uh, do check out Compassionate Living. You will be glad you did. Uh, Freeman Wickland, thank you so much, and we'll have to have you back soon.